0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Reel. And we are still talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. Joining us on the show again, we have Robert Black from The Michael Myers Minute. Hey, Robert. Hello, thank you for having me back. Today we are digging into minute 12, which starts with Tony getting on Pepper's case for turning down his music <laughs> and ends with Tony getting on Pepper's case for having plans of her own. Gwyneth Paltrow, Robert. Yeah. Do you uh, have you seen a lot of her stuff? Almost
1: everything. I think she was in a couple of romantic comedies I didn't see, but otherwise I think most everything.
0: She's uh, yeah, she's one of those actresses that I've seen uh quite a bit of uh, i think there's a lot of stuff i haven't seen but still i've always enjoyed seeing her something that we've been playing around with on this is uh, have, are you familiar with the imdb game where you guess the the top four movies that oh, imdb no, lists no, no. for somebody no if you were to guess what uh, imdb would put for uh, gwyneth paltrow What would you think that they would list?
1: Well, at this point, I would assume one of the Iron Man movies at least would show up just because they're big money makers. I don't know how it does
0: the algorithm. Nobody does because it's not necessarily budget based. Well, I I would think it'd be like – not budget, but like
1: popularity. More people clicked on Iron Man than – Sliding Doors or Shakespeare in Love, Shakespeare in Love, <laughs> right? <laughs> I almost said Shakespeare behind bars, but that's a documentary. That's about
0: a completely different thing. So, okay. So, um, so you think Iron Man or one of the Iron Man movies, one would of be the Iron there.
1: Man movies should be, I would think just cause more people have clicked on it for her. Uh, what was that romantic comedy she was in? Was she in the, how to lose a guy one? Was that her? Was I
0: that? don't think so. No, that's Kate Hudson.
1: Yeah. Um, which one is she in? I don't know. I could I could tell you four I like her from, but I don't know what IMDb's would be. Well,
0: it's funny that you mentioned oh. Shakespeare in Love and Sliding Doors because those are two of them. Nice. In okay. fact, if I'm you go from <laughs> from first to fourth, the first is actually Shakespeare in Love, and cool. I suppose that makes sense. She won an Oscar for that yeah. film. The second one is Sliding Doors, which nice surprised me, but uh, I really enjoy that film, so I'm glad yeah, to see it on here. There. The third one is Iron Man, so it's nice to see, see that Iron one, Man okay. is in there, and the fourth one is uh it's a it's a really fascinating movie and I'm glad to see it on here it's sky captain and the world of tomorrow
1: i forgot she was in that yeah
0: she's polly oh, perkins yeah.
1: Right. She, wow. she went from
0: Polly Perkins to Pepper Potts. <laughs> <laughs> I think I maybe only saw that movie all the way through once, so that
1: maybe why I forgot she was in there.
0: She's a great actress, and I know oh, yeah. she uh, was not a comic book person, so this was one of those things that for her signing on, it just was like, I don't know why you want me. But she asked Marvel to send her all the Iron Man comics that they thought would help her familiarize huh. herself with the character and with her relationship with Tony and all of that. And so she read a bunch of old comics and got a sense of who pepper was obviously pepper was written as we discussed in the last episode in the 60s and there was a certain mentality that they had with the character and she seemed very much secretarial and i think that the way that gwyneth paltrow and the writers and Favreau and everyone involved in the property now has treated her has given her a lot more to do and made her a much more interesting character oh
1: yeah I mean, she's hasn't had much screen time in a couple of the movies, but she's definitely more interesting. She has more personality to her. But I think in this minute, you can see where those roots fit, though, with like the screwball comedy back and forth dialogue and like everything they say is like overlapping but they still feel like they're hearing each other anyway it's nice
0: i think some of that comes from robert downey jr he was one of those guys who liked to kind of play around with the lines and improv and kind of feel for the right dynamic of Mm -hmm. the scene and favreau was good with that and she said she was not good at that and she had a really hard time keeping up with uh, robert downey jr when he would throw things her way and it's funny because in a way i actually feel that that actually helps their dynamic because it allows him to be a little more free and loose and crazy and allows her to kind of stick with the rigidity and the kind of uh, playing by the rules sort of persona that she has here
1: yeah it's like she wants to be more playful than she is because she has to keep things in line because he's not going to
0: right exactly You know, it's interesting. I I didn't know this, but um, Rachel McAdams was actually considered for the role. And that would have been a very interesting choice because now I'm so used to Gwyneth Paltrow, but I've always loved Rachel McAdams. And I actually am glad that she did finally make it into the MCU, albeit much later in 2016 when she did Doctor Strange. Right.
1: Right.
0: So we, so Pepper walks in, she's on the phone. She says, I'm going to try again now. I'll keep you posted. You have no context for this phone call. The only context that I can find is really in the script because she's on the phone with Rhodey. With Rhodey, right. It makes sense. She's walking into the basement and she's on the phone with Rhodey, who's, uh, as we will learn, is waiting for him. And she says, I'm going to try again right now. I'll keep you posted. And she goes to talk to Tony about, you are late. It's a nice little bit that's still in there. And even though it doesn't connect, I feel that it still kind of helps with everything that she's trying to do here it also goes
1: to what i was saying last time with like the groundhog day thing is it doesn't matter who she's talking to tony's probably late to everything he goes to and she always has to come down here and always turns down his music because he doesn't care about his schedule that's why he has pepper
0: although interestingly he still knows it like, he knows he's right. late.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. He knows how long it is. He knows he has a problem with it. Right. And you mentions the commencement, is that in this minute or the next one, the commencement address. He knows when that is. He's right, paying right. attention.
0: He knows all of this, but he's just, you know, he's he he's one of those guys. I don't want to say he's lost in his own world, but I think he acknowledges to himself that he's in a place where his own world is dictated however he wants it to be. And yeah. he'll make everything else just kind of move to fit.
1: But that's why he hired Pepper in the first place is because he needed that person to tell him when things happen. So he's ready.
0: And so she does. She comes down and talks to him about stuff that he needs to do. He needs to be leaving. And then they talk about this Jackson Pollock piece that he really wanted. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's funny. And she's right. This is a little bit of uh, Jackson Pollock history. He actually did live in a town called Springs near East yep. Hampton. And uh, in 1945, he married Lee Krasner, and they moved from Mm -hmm. New York City to Long Island's East End, and they bought this little homestead on one and a quarter acres overlooking Acabonic Creek. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how it looks when I'm looking at it. (laughs) And this is where they lived, I believe, until he died, and Krasner stayed there until she died in 1984. And this place was turned into a center for Pollock. And so you can actually go tour it still.
1: On the Pollock thing, we were talking about the uh, the script before, how Pepper's a little different. Pepper's the one who calls it his spring period in the script. She's the one who gets that wrong instead of Tony.
0: The way that it plays now is he just completely jokingly pushes past that, you know, when he was yeah. wrong, she corrects him yeah, and then so. he's just kind of like, so <laughs> like that didn't answer
1: his question. He wanted to know if it's a good representation of the period yep. he just made up.
0: And and then it works so well the way that she replies. She's like, I think it's incredibly overpriced. Because she's responding to him and she's like, he knows I'm right, but whatever. We're moving past it. And it just is a yep. great representation of their relationship and how she deals with him and that whole I need it, buy it, store it. And she was like, okay check that off the list that line of his though <laughs> i
1: need it by it. store it at the same time is such a great line for who he is but it bothers me so much that store it is the first step oh <laughs> it's yep, like yeah it's right. going in storage like, no, you don't buy a Pollock to store it.
0: You buy a Pollock to put it in a main room <laughs> where you can see it. Well, and that says everything about Tony, but I, I, I can't help but feel like this is the screenwriters and I don't know who it's coming from, but it feels like these people are playing with celebrities and, and people who have ridiculous oh, yeah. amounts of money to do this sort of thing because in the script, all he says is buy it. And I feel like they're digging a little bit at, A lot of these types of people who basically just buy these things to have them.
1: Exactly. I was actually trying to figure out, like, who's Larry? that's selling it like if that was a reference to a specific person <laughs> that bought a painting and uh, some right, celebrity
0: right. that john Favreau knew or try, I don't try to figure out exactly exactly who this person is like who are you talking about and there are little nods like that that you know get thrown into scripts that very likely could somebody out there is like oh man i can't believe that they put his name in there or oh, something yeah. you know <laughs> larry is really mad right now <laughs> right <laughs> Of course, they, they have the little chat about the MIT commencement. I love that bit when he's just like, well, deflect and absorb it. Don't transmit it back to me. <laughs> I think that's such a great line.
1: That's her job description.
0: Deflect right. and absorb. She is the deflector and absorber. <laughs> What's really funny is she says, I need you to sign this. And over the course of this minute, he never actually signs it. It never gets done. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. If it gets signed in the next minute. Well,
1: it might happen in between scenes, but right. yeah. <laughs>
0: Will it get signed? That's a good point. <laughs> Sign this and he walks away from <laughs> Yeah. So when we're looking at Pepper, when she when she first comes in, there is this really funky piece of art behind her on the wall that looks like an American flag, like broken up into a lot of little pieces or a bunch of little flags, kind of different angles of them. It's a yeah. really neat piece of art. And I looked everywhere to see if I could figure out what that art piece was. And I couldn't find any place that knew it. But what it led me to was a strange world that I did not know existed. It was this universe of people who basically build i guess you could say them miniature models like scale models of movie sets. Oh yeah. I had no idea that that was a thing and that people do kind of what we do they scrutinize and analyze A scene in incredible detail, but very specifically to look at what's in there so that they can build their scale version of the diorama. And in this particular case, I found a person who was trying to find information about this flag art because they wanted to create it for their one-sixth scale version of the Stark Mansion diorama. I didn't know this was. I'm trying to think how big that is. That's still pretty big. It's Yeah, it's one-sixth <laughs> is <laughs> one big. One-sixth. I, I just didn't know that people did that. And I guess I, I shouldn't be surprised. Okay. I mean, people do podcasts where they talk about a movie in one-minute chunks. So. And if you want to know about costumes, you t- find a cosplayer. Yeah. They will know exactly what
1: kind of thing it was, how it was sewn, how long it was. They are good at
0: that. And these people, I mean, I'm going to have to keep track of, of these uh, sites now where people basically create these so that i can see if i can uh have them help me find other bits and pieces because it's really interesting that uh, that they go to these lengths and i was hoping that mm-hmm. i would find some photos that they had taken after the fact but the person who was trying to find more information about this flag they never put any additional pictures in
1: i wonder if there's a uh, set photographer who might have more yeah. angles where you could see what things like that are
0: yeah, you know, I was looking through the uh, the Art of Iron Man book in the different photos uh, that they have in there, but I, I even there, um, all the photos that I found in there are the same photos that I found online, so it didn't give me any additional information.
1: Yeah, because it's all the big representative of action ones, not background details like paintings. Right,
0: right, exactly. But, I mean, it, this is a fantastic space, though. I, I think they do a really great job of just kind of creating this this huge space. Uh, we get a few different views of it. We still haven't seen the whole thing, but we do get no. quite a bit. Like, when he gets up, oh, we finally get to see that there's other vehicles here. We see the motorcycle. Yeah, that motorcycle's weird, too. Yeah, it's a really funky motorcycle. It looks like an
1: old motorcycle that's been modernized or, like, chromed, because it's really low to the ground and bulky in weird places. And it doesn't seem to have a muffler.
0: What I found about it is it's actually a a type six samurai chopper from a custom builder called Zero Engineering. Okay. The one that I see in his shop, I can't tell if it's painted, at least in this particular scene. It looks like it's just silver. Right. And so it's kind of a little hard to tell because on their website, the only thing I can really look at is one that's painted. interestingly. To look like they call it the Iron Man motorcycle, and it's painted red and gold. So they've they've clearly been marketing off of uh, probably people who saw that motorbike in this scene.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> but it is a, a beautiful little piece. You can buy it for twenty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> we do see more of his cars. I guess we can rattle through them now. Oh yeah, we have a two thousand eight Audi R eight. The price for that bad boy uh, starts with uh, about $140,000 for that car. (laughs) They did have a deal with Audi, and you will be seeing a lot of Audi cars in the Iron Man films.
1: Yeah, and each movie's got a new one.
0: There's a 1967 Shelby Cobra. A refurbished one that looks kind of like that one is about somewhere in the fifty to $200,000 range. There is a Saline S7. The prices for those start around $580,000. Wow. And there's a Tesla Roadster. The base price for that is $200,000. But interestingly... It wasn't available. Right, exactly. They weren't available. Only the prototypes were out. So I, that, I think that's just an... interesting thing to throw in there showing exactly how rich and exclusive tony is
1: and it's the kind of thing he would want because he deals in hardware right
0: so he has a garage full of some buttes it is a quite a wonderful collection of vehicles that he has over there and then we do get very briefly as he kind of walks over to his his coffee machine which um is funny because as he goes to it and i i looked at it i realized That is the exact same Espresso machine that we have at my office. (laughs) I guess it works. I know that machine. I know those buttons. Very funny. He's got a refrigerator down here. And then you can kind of see it, although you don't get a really good shot of it in this minute. But behind the refrigerator, a little farther down, is an old Wurlitzer. What is that? Uh, Like a jukebox.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that in the shot.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, it's got some yellow neon lights, kind of circular yellow neon lights kind of going around it. And that was actually in the script. So it's always interesting to see when they script something like that, if it ends up making it into the film.
1: I wonder if that belonged to Favreau also. That's why he knew it could be there. (laughs) Right. Uh, He's like, just don't take my wireless apart. The thing I noticed when he went to the fridge is there's like some sort of computer like simulator thing with a seat with screens in front of it back in the back. Yep. And then his refrigerator has Perrier and at least two other kinds of water. And a
0: lot of every one of them. I was looking at that too. And I could not for the life of me figure out what the one is with the red band across it. But yeah, there's a lot of Perrier in there. It seems like he's the only one who really works in here, but
1: there is a lot of water down there.
0: Well, you should point out also that right below the Perrier, there are some uh, martini glasses chilling. (laughs) So I don't think it's all water. And that makes perfect sense for Tony. I do think this is one of those moments where he goes to his espresso machine and he picks up a a demitasse. You know, it's one of those things that I always struggle with in movies when actors are acting with cups that clearly don't have liquid in them, but they're pretending they do. (laughs) Because he is so clearly walking around with an empty demitasse, but he's holding it after he turns back and goes to to Pepper like there's nothing in it. And I'm just like, "Uh, I know you're going to drink out of this at some point, Uh so make it look real. But oh well, what are you going to do? And then they have uh, a little bit of a conversation, but a lot of this is just kind of the back and forth of these two. And we find out that there's something that Pepper is going to do, but we don't know what these plans are or why. That's kind of where we leave things. She starts saying mid-sentence, I'm allowed to have plans, and we get cut off. Right. Any last things in this particular minute? We mentioned it last minute, but... It's in this minute that we see the photo of Howard Stark
1: with the hot rod.
0: Mm, Yes. Right.
1: So, like this is the hot rod that he worked on with his father.
0: Yeah, that is uh, right toward the beginning of the minute, about uh, eight or nine seconds in. Yeah. Yeah. Second nine. Yeah. He has a lot of monitors around this space also. And they're all on. Right. Yeah. Every one of them. (laughs) The one that's over, uh, like when he walks back to the uh, espresso machine, there's one right there. That's, I mean, there's, there's like a whole sink and bar and everything over there as well. And that monitor is on too. And I was looking at it, I'm like, I can't tell it's not doing anything. I just couldn't tell for the life of me what that was. And it almost looked like it was just (laughs) holding on a photo or something.
1: Yeah. A screensaver.
0: Yeah. Right. Or actually now that I look at it, it looks like it's the exact same information about the engine playing on that back monitor that he has on the monitor that's right next to his car so i guess as he walks around he can see that same information everywhere
1: and there was there was one more detail in this room that i noticed uh, second 43 i guess when we pull back and see all the cars uh-huh. my eye was drawn to the left instead for some reason there's a bowl of green apples right
0: <laughs> that was another thing i wrote down i'm like, like how many apples does he eat and does pepper provide those does she keep track of all the <laughs> apples or is there somebody else who else is here I also was curious, there's a sign right after she comes in on the wall over her head that... And the Pure Oil Pep. Right, the Pure All Pep.
1: Yeah, Pure Oil Company Gasoline. Yeah, Dates back to the 1930s.
0: He definitely is a gearhead. He's kind of got the art. He's got every little thing that, uh, that makes sense for this world.
1: Yep. That is Tony. And they're building it in the background as the dialogue's happening. It's a nice combo.
0: It is. It really is. The relationship between tony and pepper really gets established for this franchise in this minute and the next i feel we get a really wonderful bubble looking into the relationship between these two and there's a lot of stuff here and i i feel like there's a lot of subtext in this minute Uh, all three of these minutes really upstairs and downstairs we get some great subtext and i love the way that they put it together yeah cool well Any last thoughts on this minute, Robert? Oh, no, I think we covered it. All the water, all the cars. (laughs) The apples. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me here on the Marvel Movie Minute. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Any things that you'd like to plug before we head off? My regular show, Michael Myers
1: Minute, you can find on various podcatchers. It's on Twitter, at, at Myers Minute, or Instagram, at Michael Myers Minute. And then the show, and Andy was on that.
0: I was back in early minutes. I had some good early minutes, Yeah, early
1: minutes. You're
0: like, I think you might've been my first guest. And I had the introduction of Michael Myers in the, well, I shouldn't say the introduction, but when, when he sees Lori at the house,
1: yeah. Minute 13, 14. Yeah. And then the other show, which Andy's also in uh, Dave made a minute, which you can find at Dave made a minute on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram,
0: or podcatcher. Well, thanks again. And uh, I guess that's it for today's show, everybody. So thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free over at MarvelMovieMinute.com. Join us in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. If you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, why don't you become a patron over at Patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers.